Welcome to the Art of Community podcast. My name is Ben, and this is my lovely wife, Heather. Hello. Thanks for joining us as we explore the joys and pains of meaningful life together. We're convinced that you don't have to settle for weak relationships. Uh, relational connections are super important, foundational to a happy life and growth in our nearness to Jesus. We don't think you have to settle for having weak or fragile relational connections in your life so we want to help you with that it takes some work some courage and some thought but it's attainable if you're willing to do that we want to help you give you some kind of a good mix of practical things and challenging things to help you along in that journey so this is episode five the topic today is what to do when someone says yes to your invitation last episode we talked about making an invitation which is honestly most people don't even get to that point and so we want to help you think that through and so this week we want to say well what do you do if somebody horror of horror says yes to your invitation to come over for dinner or to meet out for coffee or whatever it is you've invited them to do what do you do when they say yes specifically what that comes down to is just how to carry a good conversation and which is a skill that most people i think it doesn't come naturally really to anybody we can all grow in that area so that's what we want to focus on today in episode five All right, so Heather, what, what do we want to say first about how to not be lame in a conversation? Well, I, would, <laughs> I was going to say when you were doing the introduction that part of what you say yes to the invitation um, has to do with hospitality, and we're going to talk about that next week yep. with our some guests, some surprise guests. Um, so this is more specific to conver- like conversations, carrying mm-hmm. conversations. Um and that makes a lot of people nervous. Like the idea of um, like just having to sit with someone else or a couple of people or whatever it is. And you're like, and have to like carry, you're afraid it's going to be boring or awkward or you're going to mess it up. Or, And I think that's a big reason why some people never make an invitation to begin with is this is what they're afraid of. So that's, I yeah. think that's important to know that that's, that's a normal thing. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people say, I'm not good at small talk. Right. I, I'm not really good at small talk. I don't, and there are some people who are like fantastic at small talk. Um, they usually have like certain kinds of questions that they ask. Mm-hmm. They have, and small talk, especially when you're getting to know somebody, is not a bad thing. Um, but that you can also lead to better, kind of deeper conversations, even if it's not straight out the bat. Because mm-hmm. there's some people who are more open. And there's other people who are going to do better staying in the the small talk venue for yep. a little bit. So either way, it's good just to kind of know how to carry or at least um, maintain conversation. Right. Um, so you're not just sitting there in awkward silence with each other. <laughs> so I think we've all been in those kind of. Yes, we have. Moments. Unless you're a talker and then you're the one that's filling the space. So um, one of the. There's a lot of different things that we can talk about here. I think one of the main things, like just straight off the bat, to um, to kind of cultivate in yourself is like how to be interested in something in other people's 
lives mm-hmm. um, so that you're not really only focused on yourself. If you have a genuine interest in what makes this person happy and what makes this person like, what do they really enjoy doing? What are their hobbies? Um, and there's a genuine interest there, then that lead, can lead to further questions. Mm-hmm. And so just like having an attitude of not being only thinking about the things that you want to talk about or the things that you're interested in or how what they say can relate to you. If you're thinking about you mm-hmm. in the conversation, then it's not that that's necessarily bad because you do want to offer something to the conversation. But if you're thinking about them, then you're going to come up with some good um, questions to ask and things to kind of drive the conversation. Right. Yeah. I think the key to this, as we've been, I've been thinking about this idea, I think the key to a good conversation is in Philippians chapter two, three to four, which is a real familiar scripture, but I think a lot of times we don't think about it in this context. And it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And I think that that's going to be the theme mm-hmm. in this episode, yeah. which is if you apply that to a conversation, even if it's just small talk, your goal should be for that person to talk more than you. Yeah. And even if they're a quiet person, it just means your challenge is greater. But I think this helps a lot. It goes a long way to helping with your social anxiety in that you realize, oh, wait, I don't actually have to contribute in ter- a lot in terms of my own, like, witty anecdotes or entertaining, you know, stories or smart things that show off how much I know or interesting perspectives. Like all that stuff is secondary. Like the goal, if the goal is to make the other person talk, help uh, kind of mine out of them, the things that are unique to them and that are interesting to them and help them conversate, then the pressure is actually off of you in a big way. And it, at least for me, it makes me way less nervous, way less self-conscious because I'm literally trying not to think about myself. I'm just thinking about them and how can I get to know this person? And I think it really is not only does it make for a great conversation, it makes you less nervous. Yeah. Yeah. And I I want us to get to some more practical um, ideas later, but um, kind of an overarching thing is interest in others. Uh, also like, just actually looking at them while they're talking. I mean, that sounds funny, yeah. but a lot of times eye contact, especially with somebody you don't know, is a little feels a little bit awkward. So mm-hmm. even if you feel awkward, like directly looking into their eyes, then you know, look in their direction, um, right. smile. Um, if you're paying attention to what they're saying and not just thinking about the next thing that you're gonna say, then um, you might actually if you're actually paying attention, you're gonna think of further questions to ask them. So where they might be. Um, telling a story about growing up, you know, you could ask something a little bit more deep, like, well, how did that make you feel? Or a little bit more um, generic, like, well, then what happened? You know, like Mm -hmm. that kind of thing, like eye contact, friendly demeanor, not closing Mm -hmm. yourself off. I mean, the body language things are huge. Like where if you're, if you're sitting there with your arms crossed and looking down at the table, it's going to make that person feel a little bit Right. Um, so it's like eye contact, but not like the Hannibal Lecter dead eye <laughs> stare, yeah. where you're like you sm- you should smile and nod and be encouraging. Which we weirdly enough, I, you know, sometimes I feel like we're so practical on this podcast that who's gonna not know this? But I, when I really think about it, I think a lot of people don't. They don't because yeah. they haven't 
for whatever reason, they don't, they don't know how to carry a conversation. They don't know. They don't think about things like the nonverbals, like I need to make eye contact with this person. I should smile. I should nod. You know, I should be encouraging to this person. And I think it goes back again, which is going to be my mantra, which is going back to just intentionally, thoughtfully considering the other person is more important and thinking about how can I make them more comfortable? How can I help them? And this makes for amazing conversations because you learn so many things about people that you would never have learned if you just taken over and talked the whole time. Yep. Well, what about like, so there's people that are going to, there's people that are naturally outgoing and people, people, people like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm probably, I'm definitely more outgoing than you are. I'm more, yeah. um, but I still tend to get kind of stuck. I think sometimes in the, the small talk, uh, like as far as like being like, Hey, well, what should I ask next? Like if I haven't thought through that, but I still am going to tend to be the person that approaches somebody that will say hello, that talks through, right. that has some kind of standard questions. But like, what about if you're not extroverted, if you're a little bit more of an introvert? Well, I know like for me, like, believe it or not, cause I'm a, a lot of people are surprised by this cause I'm a pastor and I've had to confront this in my life a lot, but I'm pretty introverted. And especially when I was younger, up through like my twenties, like, you know, college age, especially one-on-one like conversations and stuff with strangers, people I don't know well made me really anxious and I tended not to do it. I think some of that's personality and some of that's just, you know, my own baggage. But, but like, I think it's one of those big revelations to me was like what I would do when I got nervous in a small group of people, or I would just talk too much. And I would ramble on and on and on and on and on and and tell stories kind of and talk over people. And I was really not very self-aware of it. I just knew I was nervous. And this seemed like the easiest way to make me not feel nervous because I could control the situation. And there was a moment where I was in a group with a group of friends in college and I was doing that. And I just suddenly like noticed everybody's face. And no one, everybody was like awkwardly staring at the floor. Like, like I had been talking so long and so much that it was awkward. And I suddenly realized it and I just stopped talking. And that was when I decided to start making my goal to be, to make other people talk more than me. Like that was my goal. I felt like at the end of a conversation or a meeting with somebody, if they talked more than me, then I had succeeded. And it really started to change. It changed my life, honestly. And I don't think I could be a pastor now if I did that. I still struggle with it because my job is talking. <laughs> There's a lot of talking in in pastoral ministry, preaching and counseling and everything. But I still I still fall back on that. And just learning to ask questions was a huge thing. And also, I think not letting my personality type, my introversion, be like my God. Yeah. Like an idol where I'm like, well, I'm introverted, so I can't, I can't do these certain things instead, just confronting it and and realize like, I'm actually called to do this. I'm called to draw things out of people as part of what I'm called to do is what a pastor does among other things. And so I can't actually like to just bow down to my introverted tendencies would actually compromise my calling as a person. And I just have to confront it. I have to get over it. I have to learn to like give myself and serve people in a way that sometimes is uncomfortable for me. And I think that's 
hugely important because I think our culture idolizes personality to a point where it's really unhealthy. Yeah. And I think too, like, I mean, we met when we were in college or Ben was in college. I was in high school, but at that time I would have had no idea that he was an introvert because we would always be in groups of people in a group. You can act one way that you wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily want to act in a one-on-one conversation. Right. So even in a group thinking back now, like if you're in a group, you're not talking all the time. A lot of times you're interjecting funny stories or interjecting little bits here and there. You're not going to, you don't talk as much. You a lot right. of times will sit back and not say some, not say a lot. I think sometimes in groups where the expectation is to talk, then your tendency can be to talk too much. Right. Um, yep. And, but for them, but it's not all the time. And I mean, it's definitely something that you've learned, but in thinking back in, in college, a lot of times he wasn't, you weren't the one that was talking. It was more, <clears throat> you'd sit back and watch what other people were doing and then just kind of like interject something. And um, it was almost yeah. always funny, but you know, that, <laughs> but that was like, that was something I think that was a way that you could kind of cover feeling a little bit awkward, Yep. but it is something that I've always appreciated about you is that even though you're an introvert, I, you can't tell it when you're in a group. You can tell it. You can't tell it. At least I hope you can't tell it until later when I'm just super tired <laughs> because I've been like talking a lot and give and, and kind of be like, Going against my natural grain, yeah, is draining. It doesn't, and and I don't want to give the impression that I don't enjoy it. It in, introversion doesn't mean you don't like people. Yeah, and I, I really don't want to give that impression. I worry about that a lot because I don't want people to feel like, well, I just spent three hours with Ben. He must be like miserable. And that's not what that means. It just means like how you feel later is tired. You need to recharge, as opposed to extroverts have get more. They get recharged by recharged being around people. By being around people. Mm-hmm. And so that's really the principal difference. And being tired, it's not like a negative thing. I mean, it's a it's a good tired, not a bad tired, you know? Yeah. I think we should do a, a whole episode on introversion. Yeah. Like, because I just think that a good, there's yeah, a yeah. lot to be said for that. I think that it'd be good to just talk through some practical things um, about conversations kind of some general rules you can give yourself and also um like ideas if you're just really not sure where to go in a conversation obviously like if you're meeting out somewhere you want to think about where you're meeting um if you're meeting if somebody has a hearing problem for instance you don't want to meet in a super mm-hmm. busy restaurant where you're not gonna be able to hear each other yeah. um yeah i, I kind of keep actually in my head because i mean i do this all the time like i have meetings with people all the time and the, my office is not really always the best. It depends on what it is. If it's more of a counseling thing, then my office is good, but because it's private. But like a first time meeting, get to know somebody. So you kind of had to think of places in your town that have a just think about the atmosphere. Is it really loud? Are the tables super close to like awkwardly close together? Things like that. Like if you're thinking about restaurants, coffee shops, like some coffee shops are great. Some are terrible because they're on everybody's on top of each other, and you feel like whoever's next to you is like can hear everything you're saying. That's awkward. But like thinking about where you're going and is it conducive to conversation is really important. Yeah, 
And if it's at your house, I mean, to some degree, that's easier. And to some degree, it's harder. So if it's at your house, then it's easier because obviously you're not dealing with kind of the environment around you. Mm-hmm. It's harder because you don't have a way to escape if it's, if it is awkward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's still worth it. Like to have the conversation, it's well, worth it. Well, thanks for coming over. I know you've been here five <laughs> minutes, but I've got an appointment. Um, and even, like... well, no, but even though if somebody is coming over, you can have something. Um, not to be rude and not to lie, but something that you would like that is an excuse to like end it. So if you have kids, I have to put the kids to bed or, um, and you know, or you have something else to do, that kind of thing. So, um, it's not like you are stuck for forever and always, if it's at your house, um, it's just that, that it is a little bit easier to like maybe carry on initial conversations before you really know somebody. If it's, away from your home but just thinking through if it is at your home all right let's kind of really plan for for some of this and even an end time even if you said up front hey would you like to come to my house from like seven to nine you know like if you give it an end time um then people are are usually pretty aware of that so i would say that it's not bad it's not inauthentic to have like some questions that you always ask people when you're getting to know them so obviously some things like, so where are you from? Like, tell me about how you grew up, you know, or do you have brothers and sisters? Like those kind of things. It, like we said earlier, if you're paying attention to what they're saying, it will almost always lead to more questions. So just be mindful. Um, yeah, I have three brothers and a sister. Oh, do they live near you? I mean, those kind of things where it's like, um, or do you guys have a good relationship? You know, and You'll know if they don't, if somebody doesn't want to talk about it, if they shut you down and they're like, no, not really. And they don't go anywhere with that. (laughs) Then you probably don't want to push it, but it also might lead to more stuff. Yeah. Having like starter questions and follow-up questions, like starter questions are like where you're the subject you've, you've like bled out a subject or the person, maybe the person doesn't seem to want to talk about that topic or whatever. Then you have another question you can ask. That's a new topic. And a follow-up question is like, they say something, they seem to be like excited. Like you ask them about their kids and they start talking a lot. Well then like, go, Oh, they, they like talking about their kids. So I'm going to ask more questions about yeah. like follow-up questions. And it shows the person that you're listening and paying attention, but it keeps the thing rolling. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So some good starters are, where are you from? Um, how did you grow up? What are your interests? Like, what do you like doing outside of work? What do you do for a job? And how mm-hmm. did you get into that? Um, and again, you're going to notice in their responses, if they're, if that topic is interesting, mm-hmm. um, if you talk about hobbies, some people are like, I don't really have any hobbies. And then other people are like, oh my gosh, I love playing guitar. And so then they're going to talk for an hour. And it, I mean, you might not even care about guitars, yeah. but it's still like a little peek into their soul and into like the things that really excite them. And if you happen to connect over a similar hobby, then that's, or a similar interest, then that's something that you're able to talk about. Mm-hmm. For a good for a good amount of time, yeah. Can I give you my favorite startup question? What? I don't want to reveal. If I everybody who I've ever like when I met you for the first time, I'm sure I asked you this, but it's my favorite. You just say, "So tell me your story. How'd you get here?" Yeah, and then you don't tell them where to start. They might say, "Well, I uh, started at a young age." It's like, <laughs> don't 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 correct them. Just just let. They will go, and what they'll do 
is they will tell you in, What's important to them. Yeah. yeah, in like a 30 minute or 45 minute or two hour, whatever it is, window, they will tell you the things that are actually important to them. Yeah. That's and true. then you will have, and especially if you're smart, you'll make them pause and you'll ask questions as they go, well, what was that like? How did that feel? Yeah. And then, and then when they go down that rabbit trail, then you just bring them back and say, so what happened next? And yeah. what'd you do after college? Or, you know, and that's, that's gold. That's, that's just a little gift for you introverts out there. Well, and I do think though, I think sometimes, at least for me, when I've asked these conversations, I mean, certain questions that are too open-ended for somebody that's, that tends to be introverted or maybe shy, mm-hmm. um, it can like, it can end really quickly because mm-hmm. um, either they're not used to really talking about themselves or they don't like talking a lot. And right. so like, um, kind of having just a list of questions that you can talk about or, or even some things that you talk about yourself. Um, so like we, we've talked a lot about and focusing on other people, but, um, being willing to, um, to also have some ideas of things that you're going to talk about yourself in case there are those dead spaces, um, yep. is going to be helpful. Yeah. That goes along with one of the practical things I was going to say, which is, just learn to tell better stories. Mm-hmm. Storytelling is a a skill you can actually learn and get better at. I think you have to. And most of us learn like when we're really little, you know, you start telling stories. Like if you've had little kids, you know what it's like. They start telling you a story and they tell you like they are the worst storytellers. <laughs> like yeah. they leave out the important details and then they give you all the details that don't matter. And you just like, you're dying of boredom <laughs> listening to your, you know, eight year old tell you a story about what happened at school today. And then they sort of trail off and there's no payoff at the end of the story. But I think a lot of kids, maybe if you had parents who weren't patient with you in that, at that age, you never really learned to do that. And so I, but I do think it's something you can learn at any age. If you just start paying attention to how other people tell stories. And don't be afraid to tell the same story to different people. Like there are stories like Heather always like, and now it's funny, like people will prompt me to tell, oh, tell that story about when whatever. And it's, and it, and, become, and even though maybe only one or two people in the room have never heard it, but it gives you a, like a, a shortcut for that person to get to know you. Yeah. So just, you know, that's one, I think like just paying attention, like I think people that read a lot get good at telling stories, people that watch, you know, and listen to other people, just thinking about that can actually really help you a lot. And it's a skill you can grow in. Yeah. The only bad thing for you is that you sometimes tell the same story to the same people. Right. I'm like, um, and I'm, I'm relatively undeterred by that. Yeah. It drives me crazy. I'm always like Benjamin. I mean, because of course I have to hear the same story. Over and over it's and over painful again. painful for you. I know. It's painful. And, but then I'm like, I think you've told it to this person. And I usually can tell by their face that you've told them. And I, I, I can I'm tell like, too, but I don't care. Yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> I, just, I just embellish it a little more each time. <clears throat> I know. <laughs> um, it's not lying. It's just good storytelling, dear. Uh, I guess so. But yeah, you can think just like you're going to think about questions ahead of time. You can also think about um, think about kind of standard stories that you might tell or standard things about yourself that you might tell. Um, if you don't think of yourself as an interesting person, that's okay. I mean, you can still have kind of your standard things you talk about. Um, I'm not a super 
like fantastic storyteller. Definitely not as much as much as Ben. I usually just get the facts out on mm-hmm. black and white. So um <clears throat> You've gotten better over the years though. Yeah, maybe. Um sometimes you punt the story over to me, like you'll start it and then you'll look at me like, Why don't you finish it? Mm-hmm. And then I, I I fix it before you're before you're done with it. Yeah. <laughs> so so some good questions, just like from on a practical standpoint, some good questions are where are you from? Did I say this already? Where are you from? Mm. You started uh, it and then... And then you interrupted me. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, see. With us talking about stories. Yeah. <laughs> so so all of those, like, where are you from? Like, how did you grow up? Um, tell me, like, the tell me your story is a big open-ended one, which is actually a good one. I mean, I do think that that piece of advice is great. But if they're, if they're like, uh, I don't really know. I mean, because I've had people say that before. Mm-hmm. Then you can start asking some of these questions. Where'd you grow up? You know, where'd you mm-hmm. go to school? It, were you, were you like into, into like books? Were you mm-hmm. into sports? Or you, in, you know, just that kind What'd of stuff. What'd you do growing up? That kind of thing. There's also, I mean, this, this kind of sounds funny, but there's actually like some pre-made things even that you can find on Pinterest or games. Like we have this one that we've played before with friends that it's like, I think it's called Versailles or Versailles. Versailles. Yeah, Versailles. And it asks like, Past no, it's Vertellus. Is that oh, it? Vertellus, yeah. Yeah. Um, is asked like pa- past, present, and future questions like about yourself, even if are like, oh, we should play this game, you know, like, and then it's asking questions about your past, present, and future. Um, sometimes people aren't into doing that as much because it could lead to like maybe deeper questions. But there's, but there's also ones on like Pinterest and that kind of stuff that you can find mm-hmm. that are like, if you're not even sure, kind of which should yeah. my basis questions be aside from what I just said. Um, then you can kind of look at those and say, um, <clears throat> and pick out some other ones. Mm-hmm. You do this on dates sometimes just with me mm-hmm. and you. Yeah. As like, you'll just pull one up on your phone and they're like really open-ended, slightly hard personal questions, but not like too personal. Yeah. And or it like even just the door for conversation. Yeah. Or it opens up the door for stories. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously like a icebreaker that you always hear people say is like, what's your most embarrassing moment? But there's other ones just like what, what is the time that you've been like really scared in your life? Or what is the time that you've been like, what's your happiest moment? Those kind of mm-hmm. things are, are just kind of like good conversation starters. Um, so being aware of, of that, I mm-hmm. think is, is good. So. Yeah, and I think we should probably talk about active listening too, which I think a lot of people have heard that before. But just the idea of listening and then not just being a passive listener where you're just sitting there and maybe smiling, but smiling and nodding is an active thing. But but also like repeating things back to them, maybe not word for word, but just kind of going, oh, so you went to, your parents are still together. Right. Or, and you sort of interact, not interrupting them and taking the conversation over. Mm. You're just repeating things and actively engaging with them. And what that is, it's very encouraging. It's very powerful to people when you do that sort of thing and interact. And I think along with that is a lot of times when somebody's, especially when they're telling their story, they'll say something almost accidentally. That's really personal, like something about how they, maybe their parents split up when they were little or one of their parents died or something very personal, deeply personal or tragic. 
and they'll say it and then they'll quickly move on because they're talking very casually and then they dump out this like bomb of a revelation and then they keep going. <laughs> I think it's important to not act like that didn't happen, but instead to kind of, as part of this active listening thing is to kind of go back to that and go and genuinely react. Like, even if it's just with empathy to say, wow, that had to be really hard. Yeah. I'm so sorry that happened to you. And because I think a lot of times that can, that can be the first time that person has said that to somebody else. Mm -hmm. You would be surprised. And what happened was they were, they started to feel free in the conversation because you've done a good job in making it about them. And then they started to feel safe and they let that thing out and then they caught themselves. They mm -hmm. went, Ooh, that was too much. I'm going to keep going like it didn't happen. And if you just don't play into that and go back and say, I just wanted to say that that's really, thank you for telling me that. Um, that had to be really hard and then ask a follow-up question. And if they don't want to talk about it, you'll know it immediately. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. But to acknowledge it, that gives you a really another like suddenly you're you've gotten a lot closer to that person in a in a moment. And you, you capitalize on it, I think is important. And it it honors them that they shared that with you when you do that. Yeah. For some reason I'm the kind of person that like we make a joke about it because I'll just be somewhere and some random stranger starts telling me about like these deep things in their life and I'm mm -hmm. like why are you telling me this? I mean, even in our honeymoon, like we got separated on the plane. We had to sit in two separate seats. This old <laughs> lady sat there and she told me her whole life story. So and it's just funny. So it's like, there's certain people and you might be one of them where people are going to open up to you pretty quickly and tell some things um, about themselves. And so like having the proper response is important to not be like, Oh my gosh, you know, like, um, not mm -hmm. to have an over the top reaction, but also not to underreact. Like right. if you just skim over it and act like they didn't say it, then that makes somebody feel unimportant. Mm -hmm. And so just kind of thinking through what your responses are in those moments and paying yeah. attention to people that are good at it. Like, you know, this person seems to have people tell them stuff a lot. Like what are their responses? What are their reactions? Um, and em empathy is a huge thing, you know, whether it be to the positive or the net, like just having an empathetic kind of heart for for people is is huge if we're gonna have somebody over i mean ben doesn't really like playing games all that much he will but he doesn't love it but i still will he'll have like you're some games that you don't mind playing and so sometimes i'll ask somebody like do you guys like playing games and if they say yes then something like playing um just a card game having something else to do with your hands where you're not um you're not just sitting there staring at each other right. across the living room or across the table. You're actually doing something. It can be a good kind of distraction, but you're mm -hmm. able to talk while you're doing it. Um, Which is why I'm willing to play games, even if I'm not like a games <clears throat> person. Yeah. Is that I know that it helps. It helps kind of grease the gears. Yeah. And yeah. you can also plan activities. Like we, um, we've gone out on like double dates with people where you're going to do something like laser tag or go-karts or something like that. And so then it's this like funny and fun memory that you're creating, even if just for one time, but you're still going to talk in those moments. It's not like you're just going to only do that one activity. You're, mm -hmm. It's going to open up room for conversation. Um, but you're doing something. You're not just sitting um, like at a, in, in a room by right. yourself. And so sometimes just having something else planned, especially if you're going to, if you feel like you're going to feel a little bit awkward, 
it's good just to think through like, uh, we could, we could do, we could play a game of cards or we mm-hmm. could go on a walk together or we could go, um, play laser tag or whatever it yep. is. That's, to think that through ahead of time. Mm-hmm, if you think it through, or if you feel like very nervous about mm-hmm. carrying or leading a conversation, then that's one um, kind of practical thing you can do. I would say too, when you're um, first meeting up with somebody or really first establishing relationships, not to get into things that are super controversial. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those are easy things, especially like if you're in a political season or, you know, even COVID. I mean, sometimes you can't, um, you can't escape that, but not to get into kind of the politics of it mm-hmm. or the, um, the kind of controversial parts of that, because it can kind of, it can shut a conversation down really yep. quickly if you have opposing views. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think along with that, it's a tough thing because you also should never lie. Like if somebody asks you a direct question, like, what do you think about this? Like, are you, are you a registered Republican or Democrat? And you are like, if you're so afraid of offending them that you lie and say, well, I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican when you're not, or whatever it is they asked you, that sets you up for a real problem because let's assume, let's be positive. Let's assume this is going to be a real friendship. At some point, you're going to have to say, yeah, I totally lied to you on that first time we talked. So you, and, and so I think that there's a balance there. Of you, you can always say, well, I'm this, but it's not that important to me. Or you can just say, I don't really want to answer that mm-hmm. or whatever. You can be direct and not answer it if they're being direct. I think it's just, well, it's and important I think that goes to like along, avoid the controversial thing, but also never lie about. Yeah. And I think what like goes that. along with that is like, if you're saying something I don't agree with, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm just going to say something political just because it's like, like if you're talking about like a political candidate that I really don't like, if I'm sitting there nodding and agreeing mm-hmm. in a way I'm lying because um, I'm leading you to believe that I think the same thing as you. And if I think something very differently, right. then um, then it's going to be the kind of thing where later it's going to be awkward because at mm-hmm. some point it's going to come out what I really think. And so if something like that comes up, just you can acknowledge it and change the subject. You don't mm-hmm. have to. I think it's like sometimes you get caught and then you're like, well, I don't really want to hang out with them again because it's not that you don't, it's not because you disagree with them. Right. It's because now you feel like you've established something about yourself that isn't true. And right. so just either being honest up front or just avoiding like some conversations, obviously that can't be for forever. If you're going to have a real true friendship right. at some point, that's going to come out. But usually when you're establishing relationship, people, you get, you have an idea of subjects mm-hmm. that you really should avoid. And, um, yeah. So it may, it may be, maybe the wrong, it's a, maybe to say controversial topics is the wrong way it's more like topics that require a lot of nuance and a lot of like understanding of the person and a rapport with them to really be able to talk through and if you don't know somebody well at all it's very hard to kind of give context to your opinions about things like that yeah and so kind of understanding that is important without giving any kind of dishonest impression about you is is a big deal especially these days I think the only other thing that we, you kind of touched on it real quick, but is if you are the kind of person that might be a little bit abrasive Mm -hmm. or even if you like have a tendency to take over the conversation, um, if you're meeting somebody with your spouse, then your spouse can help you look out for that, that stuff. But if you you, poke me all the time telling me to stop talking, 
There's yeah. a particular like pat on the leg that you do that I always know that means I'm talking too much. Yeah. Although you've dissuaded me from doing that because you'll call me out on it. What, Heather? Are you telling me that I'm talking too much? And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to do that again. Well, sometimes you send mixed signals because your leg pat that says don't talk too much <laughs> is very close to your leg pat that says I love you. <laughs> and it's sometimes I can't tell the difference and I do have to. And maybe we should work out a better signal. Yeah, probably. Maybe a pinch can be the negative, like you're talking too much. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So thanks for joining us today. We really do love you guys and think about you. Don't don't even know who's listening, but we do. <laughs> Glad you're joining us. Uh, this has been episode five. And next week we have for episode six and seven is an interview with some friends of ours that are really great with hospitality we had a lot of fun talking i think that's going to come through in the episode uh you can find more episodes and subscription links and whatnot uh, at artofcommunity.net or you can just search for us on pretty much any podcast platform app that you want to use you can find us there if you like the content you're hearing share it Tell your friends about it. Spread the word on social media or, you know, while you're hanging out at your house or whatever it is. Thanks for joining us and we will see you next time.